Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. Good morning, everyone. I am really, really glad that after that video, I had a little lag time before I had to say a word because I don't think I could have got a word out. Happy Mother's Day to all you mothers. Happy Mother's Day to my mom, because I know I have a lot of you guys. Certainly you mothers do the heavy lifting. Us guys know that. The older I get, the more I realize how much you do. So happy Mother's Day to you. And it's kind of related to mothers. Our series is talking about being made new. You'd realize that you could never have been made without a mother, right? Uh, moms were there from the beginning, and... Uh, I love this sermon series about being made new. I don't know about you, but I love this. It's a perfect time of year. It's the springtime. Uh, with a little rain, the grass is growing. The flowers are growing. Uh, I've got some little baby calves at home that are so cute, and I'll show you pictures if you want later. Uh, but uh, it's fun. It's fun to be around this time of year and be speaking about being made new in Christ, and how awesome and important that is. There's a few things that have really kind of, I've kind of latched onto over the last few weeks with uh, Pastor Ben and PK speaking about being made new, that we are completely new. We're not refurbished. You know, you're not a, you're not a flip, flipped house. You're not lipstick on a pig. You're brand new. That's encouraging to me. That's good. Um, when we accept new life in Christ, we put on our new life. That's really cool. We can cover up with Christ, the old, the old self. When we're made new, we have a new identity. We're not the same old person we were. We don't have to drag that along with us. We're completely new, and we have a new identity. And last week, PK spoke about our minds being transformed and being made new. And Romans 12 is my favorite chapter of the Bible. I love Romans 12 and how we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds and a new way of thinking. So I hope you've got something out of this Made New series. This morning we're going to kind of dive into new desires and new priorities as we uh, are made new in Christ. And being made new is a realigning to God And something that we constantly battle with is the battle between our spirit, or God's spirit, and our flesh. And it's a constant battle. It's something that we do uh, daily. You know, since I, my life has, over a few years, I, my priorities and desires have changed. All right? Uh, I'll just share a couple with you. When I was 10, the most important thing, Saturday morning, 7 a.m., the Bugs Bunny and Roadrunner Hour, the most important thing, all right? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. That was it. Captain Crunch in your PJs, sitting on the couch, watching all those characters, and uh, that, was, that was my priority when I was 10. You know, when I was a little older, when I was a teenager, I loved basketball, and I, my desire was to play professional basketball. 
Then reality hit, right? Uh, didn't happen. No matter how much I wanted it to. When my wife and I were first married, we bought a house in Broomfield. And uh, shortly thereafter, we thought we should buy a new car, too. You know, why not completely go into debt? So we bought a Honda CRS. And in the 80s, I don't know, you know, if you're not familiar with 80s cars, not a lot of good ones. Uh, we had a Toyota Corolla. It was a 75. That's, that's what we had when we first got married. And that, that just wasn't cool. The Corolla was not cool. But the Honda CRX was. And it was blue. It had a spoiler on the back. And it went kind of fast. But it was cool. It had two seats. Soon we found out we were going to have a problem. Suddenly our priorities changed. We can't put a car seat in the Honda. What are we going to do? We thought about it for a minute, and somehow rigging something up in the back, but we decided, nah, that wouldn't be safe. Let's not do that. We got rid of the Honda. Our priorities changed. And even in the last few years, in the last couple years, my priorities, my desires personally have completely changed. You know, there was a time not very long ago, I really didn't even like being around people. That could be a real problem today, right? My, uh, my desires and my, uh, my priorities were not driven by the Spirit of God. They were driven by my own attractions. Leave me alone. I've had too much. And God has changed that and He's changed my heart as I've so as part of a human being of a human being, which I think you all are here today, right? Everybody online too. Um, your desires, your priorities over your lifetime have changed. And they will continue to change. As you mature, as, as things change, uh, you change as well. You've experienced this. I know you have. And there's many stories in here. A lot of you guys could, could stand up and, and tell stories of, of things you did when you were young. And how it's different now, you would never do it now. Being made new in Christ has changed the heart. It's not something that you know, we do on the outside. It's not something that we do in the flesh. It's something in the heart that's changed. If you have your Bible this morning, I'd like you to get it out. Get your smartphone if that's what you have. And let's lift it up and let's just let's bless this word this morning. Father in heaven, we just thank you. Uh, God, for your word, for your word is living and active. God, it is powerful to change our lives today. God, as we look into it today, may you bless the words from your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we have desires in our heart. Some of them we recognize, some of them we have not yet discovered. But the desires of your heart will determine your direction. Your priorities will determine where you're headed today. Matthew 6.21 says something very profound. Jesus said it. Um, you'll turn with Matthew to Matthew with me. Matthew 6.21. And it says, I'm just going to read 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what 
you focus on what is your goal, what is your priority, that's where your heart is as well. And you know, our lives, at least my life, is filled with busyness. Maybe you guys could say the same thing. Maybe you're busy. Maybe you're distracted. Maybe uh, you have pressures from all sides. You're continually battling attractive distractions that steal your attention, and they shape your desires, actually. You see something on TV, or you see something driving down the road, and you said, oh, I need that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I really, really want that. And there's a, there is a, there's a desire in our hearts to go after those kinds of things that we see. And so when we're made new, um, those desires, we have, to, we have to separate them. Are those being driven by my flesh, or are they from the Spirit of God? Some of them are real easy to determine, right? Psalm 37, we're going to turn to that just for a moment. We're going to actually stay there for a little while. We're going to dig into this. Psalm 37, 1 through 8. And this passage is an important part of our desires. Psalm 37, do not fret because of those who are evil, or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither, and like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. So David wrote this. If you're familiar with David in the Bible, David wrote this psalm. Uh, He was king of Israel. Uh, David experienced many highs in his life and many lows. David was a perfect example of someone who had experienced it all. Uh, He had God called him uh, a man after God's heart. He said that David was a man after my own heart. But David struggled in many areas. And I wouldn't want to live like David did, at least in the bad parts. I, I I would hesitate to want to be like David at times in his life. But his experience shaped his writing. His experience shaped what this verse says, what these verses say couple that he says, don't fret. Trust in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. So verse 4 says, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does that word mean, delight? Do, we, do you use that word? I don't use it very often. I don't think, I'm not sure I've ever used it. I have heard it a few times, but 
Delight is not a word we really use that much. You might say, oh, I really, that's really delightful, or they're such a delightful person, or something like that. But to delight in the Lord, what is he saying here? Because this is a promise. This is an important part of this verse. If I delight in the Lord, he's going to give me the desires of my heart. Should I not know what delight means? I think I should. Another word for delight means to be pliable, to be soft-hearted, to be tender towards someone. You want to be with someone who's delightful. You turn a soft heart towards them. To delight in the Lord means that you have a soft heart towards God, that your heart is pliable. God can work with your heart. And how do we do that? We seek him. We look for him. We long for his presence. You want to be with God, in essence. I've come up with with three words that will, I know there's more, but these are easy. They all start with W. So that's how I work. That's how my mind works. I'm just going to let you in a little bit. I have to have little clues like that to remember it. Um, So the first one, to delight in the Lord, there are three things. To delight in the Lord, we need to worship him. You know, when we're up here on Sunday mornings and we're singing and we're out here, you know, lifting our hands and singing praise to the Lord, we're declaring who God is. We're declaring not just what he does, but who he is. And in that way, we delight. God is eternal. God is good. God is holy. He's just. He's merciful. He's sovereign. And a whole bunch more. And how do we discover that? Second W. In his word. We learn about God from from reading his word and studying his word. There's nothing, there's no other way to know God completely except to know his word. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. This is Jesus speaking. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus says, learn of me. Learn about me. And then you're going to know me. So to delight in the Lord, we must worship. We must spend time in the word. And the last W is wonder, not wander, wonder. Wonder at the beauty of his creation. What a great time right now we have to to look around and see the wonder of God's creation. I live in Fleming, which is 20 miles east of here. And most of the time when you go down the highway to where I live, uh, the sand hills, the grass in the sand hills is brown. Ten months out of the year. But right now it's green. And it catches my eye. I see it every time. It's like, man, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that grass beautiful? Uh, there, are, there are so many things that we can look around and say, God, you did a wonderful job in creation. Uh, thunderstorms. I love thunderstorms. Look at, look at the things around you and consider what God has done. You know, Job in the Bible 
uh, was a kind of a complicated character. He faced a lot of difficulty, more than any of us ever want to. If you've ever read Job, you know kind of what he went through. And he had some friends that showed up uh, to kind of encourage him, right? Uh, but one of his friends did have some wisdom to share with him. And Job 37, 14 says, listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. And that, that goes on. If you Read that sometime in Job and, and how his friend is talks about what God's wonders, what what the things that God has done and the things that we can see and look around. Romans 1.20, Paul says, and this isn't on the screen, you'll have to look it up. Romans 1.20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what was made, so that people are without excuse. So from what is made, the things that you see around you, God's eternal power and his nature are understood. So those are the three things, worship, the word, and wonder. So this is a promise. This verse, trust uh, uh, in Psalm 37.4, is a promise. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It says that he will give us the desires of our heart. A lot of times we read that, and we say, uh, trust in the Lord, take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the the desires of my heart. That's the thing that pops out, the desires of my heart. And there's kind of a misconception about this verse that somehow if we do this, then we get this. It's a, it's a cause and effect kind of thing. Like, if I, you know, if I read my Bible, if I pray for an hour every day, if I come to church, if I get real serious and I lift both hands way up as high as I can and I sing at the top of my lungs, that somehow God's going to give me something. I think the verse is a little different than that. And I hope you understand that. Our desires the desires of our heart, they must be shaped. They must be shaped by God to be in perfect alignment with what the desires that he has planted in us. But we can't come to church, get crazy in worship, because the desire of our heart is to, you know, have a new car or a Lamborghini or a boat or, or something like that. That's crazy, Right? But even something that's not physical, even if it's a desire of your heart that's, that may be good, it's still God has to shape that desire and align it with him. You know, he knows us. Do you know that? He knows you really well. He created you. He knows you better than you know yourself. He's placed desires in your heart you don't even know about yet. There are desires in your heart that you will not in the natural ever discover without his help. My wife and I went to Germany about four years ago, and we had an exchange student in 2009, and she she was really a sweet girl. And when she went home, we promised that we would come see her. 
And so four years ago, we went to Bremen, Germany, and we visited Nina and her family. And one of the questions her family asked us, what do you want to do while you're here? And I don't know, but her dad worked at Mercedes-Benz at the factory in Bremen. I didn't know what he did, but he worked there. And I said, I want to go, I want to, go to the factory. I want to take a tour. Okay. So they set it up. We went, to the, we went to the Mercedes-Benz factory in Bremen, Germany, and this is where they make sports cars. They don't make the boring, you know, vans or anything like that. They make the two-door convertible sports cars. Super cool. If you've ever been to an uh, assembly, a car assembly, or any kind of assembly plant that, that is automated, it's amazing what they can do. Unbelievable. So we're on the tour. Uh, you know, we didn't really know anything about this. Nina's parents speak German. We speak English. Uh, Nina was the only person who could translate for us. So we didn't know any of the plans. We didn't know anything that was going to happen that day. Uh, we're on the tour with a bunch of other people, and suddenly Nina's father steps out this little door on the side of the tour, and he waves us, just Kim and I, out the door. I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. We step outside, and here's a brand new red Mercedes two-door. I mean, it, it was cool. I mean, it's brand new. It smelled new. We get in the car. The, the guy driving, he didn't speak English either, so we didn't know what was going on. He gets, uh, Kim gets up front, and I sit in the back, and we take off, and we take a right turn, and we're on the Mercedes-Benz test track. And it was cool. And I don't know if you've ever been, some of you guys have driven really fast where like, you know, when you're taking off, you can't pick your head up off of the back of the seat. That's how fast we were going. And when we went up into that high banking curve, you know, it just throws your body, the G-forces. I mean, it was super cool. It wasn't anything I expected that day. I didn't know that was going to happen. And it's much like when God reveals desires to us that we had no idea we had inside of us. He placed them there. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have peace in your life. And so there's these things that uh, he, has, he has created in us. And when we trust him, those things come to light. You are created with a purpose, a divine design, each one of you. God knows you, and you have unique desires. Every person in here is different from the other. Every person joining us online, you have unique desires that God has placed in you. When you begin to understand that, You may ask, how do I do that? I want to know what those desires are, don't you? I want to know what you have for me, God. What do you have for me? So how do we align our hearts to God to unlock those, those deep, true desires of our hearts? And verse 3 in Psalm 37 says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. So we have to trust God. 
How many of you ever heard that in church before? Trust God. Oh, yeah, that's easy, right? No. But this word trust and the trust that we talk about in the Bible is not just a mental exercise. It's not just something, okay, I'll trust you. There's always a correlating action with trust. You have to trust and do good. There's other scriptures in the Bible, trust and obey. So we have to trust him. And then we have to do good. That's a little confusing too. What does that mean? How do I do good? Micah 6.8 is a, is a great verse that, um, that I've been thinking about a lot this last year. Like, God, what do I, how do I do good? How do I, how do I deal with what's going on? And Micah 6.8 says, he has showed you, O man, what is good. This isn't on the screen either. You'll have to look it up. He has showed you, O good, O, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And Jesus would sum it up, to do good is to serve others. When Jesus spoke, spoke about doing good, it was with the intention of serving others and taking care of others living righteously. The second one is, is found in verse 5, and it says, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. Commit your way to the Lord. Once again, not easy. Uh, we have to give up our will. We have to let go of what we want. We have to set our desires aside. It's kind of like uh, when you're first saved and when you first find Jesus, uh, you know, you, that song comes into your head, Jesus, take the wheel, take it. Take all my garbage, take all that nasty stuff that was in my life, just take it. You can drive. I'm going to get in the back and I'm going to enjoy the ride as we, as we progress towards, you know, fulfillment and joy and life. But there's enough of us that know, we know our desires, we know what we want still. And Jesus is driving and, and our desires are, are still there. And, you know, Jesus goes this way and it's like, oh, wait a minute, I, I kind of like to go that way a little bit, you know. And so we hop up in the front seat and we might even just kind of reach over and kind of pull the wheel a little bit, right? And before you know it, we're driving. Jesus is in the back seat. And we've taken over control. We haven't trusted. We haven't committed our way. You know, it's easy to trust what you can see. It's not so easy to trust what you cannot see. Most of you probably ate breakfast this morning, I would assume. If you didn't, you'll eat lunch. You'll eat at some point. And I hope you didn't have to look at your food and think, I wonder if that food is poisoned before you ate it. You trusted that the food did not have poison in it. It's easy to trust things you can see. Not easy to trust things that you can't see or that have not been revealed to you. So commit your way and trust. And the third point is to rest and wait. And the verse in uh, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for 
Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Be still. Rest and wait. Oh, man, all three of these points are tough. Nobody wants to wait. Nobody wants to wait. If you go to McDonald's this morning for lunch or this afternoon, or if you go anywhere for that matter, and they say, well, I'm sorry, sir, your food will be ready in an hour. What are you going to do? Oop, we're out of here. That won't work. When we have to sit and wait for the promises that we know God has given us, it's difficult. But God asks us to rest and wait. It may be a dream that God said, yes, you will do this someday. And you're still waiting. It can be discouraging. But even though we don't know how, we don't know where or when, we have to continue to, to delight in the Lord. We have to continue to trust. We have to continue Persevere and not give up. I can invite you to stand this morning and have the worship team come up. We're going to take a few minutes this morning and uh, and be quiet before the Lord to evaluate our hearts, where our hearts are at. So if you would, close your eyes just to block out any distraction, anything that would keep you from hearing from the voice of the Holy Spirit. A couple questions we need to ask ourselves. Do we really delight in who God is? Do we truly worship? Do we truly seek Him in His Word, who He is? Do we look around in wonder at His creation? you want to be close to God? Do you want to really, really, really know Him? Well, that's how we do it in worship, learning His Word, looking around us at His creation. Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. Maybe you've never met Him. Maybe you don't know what I'm talking about, some of these things. Uh, Now, today would be a great day. Give your life to Him. To give the wheel to him and let him drive. Do that this morning. There are people that will pray with you in the back. If you're at home, reach out to someone, pray with you. So this morning, imagine if instead of having a hard heart, your heart was soft, pliable, and God could shape you shape your heart into what he had intended what if you trusted him completely you trusted him as your savior but also your king what if you gave him control you let go of your desires to unlock the desires that God has for you Are you willing to rest and wait? You may look at your desires as and say, God, they're not evil. These are good desires. 
You have to allow God to shape those desires. And then you can experience deeper, more abundant new life in Christ. Don't think to remember that his timing is perfect. Search your hearts this morning. God, give us soft hearts toward you today. May our hearts delight in you, God. God, we want to know you more. God, we want to spend time with you. Align our hearts with you. God, that we may find happiness, we may find joy, contentment, God. And through those desires, make us new again. God, we just thank you, God, that you are able. You're a good God. You're faithful. We trust you, Lord, today. Make these things true in us today. Amen. Got a couple action steps this morning. You want to take a picture of them? They'll be on the website, I'm sure, at some point. Number one, spend time with God in worship, his word, and the wonder of his creation this week. Number two, read Psalm 37, 1 through 8. How does that scripture apply to you today? And number three, trust God for his promises that have yet to be fulfilled. Amen.